When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time once again for the Only Three Lads podcast, where each and every week we get to hang out with you and talk about the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I'm Uncle Greg. Of course, we have Brett Vargo. He is the rocktologist on this podcast. Well, good morning to you, Greg. All right. Well, good morning. And uh, let's just get right into it because we have big stars. This is like one of those like pinch me moments where we have people who actually I don't know how we tricked them. I don't know who they met and who they tripped. And then, you know, somehow they ended up on this podcast. But we're just thrilled that they're here. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say thanks because it was because of the wonderful Matt over at Cherry Red, the best label in the world. What did you guys ever do to Matt? How did he talk you into this? But we uh, definitely appreciate it. I'm very thrilled. (laughs) Yes. So should we talk about the topic at hand and introduce our amazing guest today? Yes, we're going to be talking about the top five songs with the word heart in the title. That's what we're talking about this week. So we have a list. That's right. Yes. And in a total shocker, I just want to forewarn you, spoiler alert, my whole list consists of variations of my heart will go on by celine dion oh yes that's a great song i know you're a big fan yeah. i'm a big oh, big fan huge, of celine. yes huge huge i do not want to gouge my eyes out every time i hear it really i don't know why i gouge my eyes out probably my ears i don't know we're talking about heart and you know it's, it's a nasty looking little thing isn't it but it is a word that says so much it's life itself it symbolizes love pain devotion longing passion energy excitement emotion i would say of all the organs it's perhaps the second most essential one in rock and roll and i'll leave it up to your imagination to determine what the first is south of the border are we talking about what exactly where Uh, that's the one all right well that's true that's the one it's my second favorite organ (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to demonstrate in abundance that the heart has been fodder for many of the greatest songs of the O3L era. And I'm gonna go ahead and start with one of those great songs. So I'm gonna use my number five here as means of an introduction to our guest third lads today, three of them. So my number five pick is Do You Have To Break My Heart, which is the fourth track from Crawdaddy, the second major label record by Welsh band The Darling Buds. For all its lyrical woe about the loss of love, it's a gloriously upbeat song, mixing the hand claps and harmonies of girl group classics with an indie sensibility and post-punk fervor. One of the many 
many things that the Darling Buds did so well during their recording career, all of which has been lovingly curated on the new Cherry Red box set called Killing for Love. Albums, singles, rarities, unreleased. I think I got that all 1987 to 2017. And it contains their early singles and demos, their three albums, which are 1989's Pop Said, 1990's aforementioned Crawdaddy, 1992's Erotica, plenty of B-sides and rarities, and right up to their 2017 EP Evergreen. Yes, it contains all the songs you know and love. Shame on you, spin, burst, hit the ground. You've gotta choose. Let's go round there. Tiny machine, crystal clear, it makes no difference. Please yourself. I could go on. It also represents the very first time on O3L that I get to confront one of my high school musical crushes after seeing those videos on MTV's 120 Minutes. And I am talking about Andrea, Harley? although Harley and Matt, you're, you're plenty cute. But it is with great pleasure and privilege that we welcome to only three lads from the Darling Buds, Andrea Lewis Jarvis, Harley Farr, and Matt Gray. Hey, hello. Good morning. Hello, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. The new box set, Killing for Love, really something special. As a listener, I love box sets because there's something very rewarding about going back and surveying a band's career so comprehensively. What was it like for you to compile the box and trawl through demos and live tapes and unreleased tracks? Were there any particular revelations for you all looking back at it? Yes. Well, well yeah. <laughs> it was, um... Well, it was quite daunting when we got together first. It was during um, one of the lockdowns and we all kind of got together. Well, it was sort of one of those breaks in the lockdown and we managed to get together face to face and Harley had a big box of uh, cassette tapes and I had a big box of cassette tapes and um, MP3s and it was quite daunting, wasn't it? It was... Uh, <laughs> hours and hours of stuff, yeah. really, to yeah. listen to <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, you know, there was... Not always nice. No, no, it was yeah. <laughs> but 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 it, you did in you know, when you're mining this sort of thing. You should. I think when did. we first met though, Matt, we had these boxes of cassettes and we started listening. But then after a while, we gave up and we just chatted about yeah, old well, times, really, yeah, and yeah. the memories it brought back more than anything. Yeah. I think it was a case of, and then oh, we got to get back to choosing some songs now. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, oh. yeah. but it was like looking at old photos, pictures bits that we'd collected. I had a box of stuff of old photos and odd things, and we just spent a lot of time reminiscing, I think. Harley, what was the most vivid memory of that time? Like when you guys were sitting there talking and you're thinking, looking at all this, you know, stuff from back yeah. then, and like what was like, you know, you remember the fun times, then there was like some of those hard times. What's the most vivid memory? My most vivid memory was when we were in tour in America, so one of my songs was going to be a Tom Waits song, and I was a, I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. Mm. And we were playing with um, Theolonious Monster, Bob Forrest, crazy guy, crazy guy. And uh, he was hounding, absolutely hounding um, Tom Waits to come and do some backing vocals. And I just remember being in a toilet in Los Angeles somewhere with Bob, and all I heard was this, Bob Forrest, leave me alone. And it was Tom Waits. <laughs> and I was so... wow. <laughs> gobsmacked and it just brought it back you know the people we met the things we did and i just took it for granted at the time i didn't really and now when i look back i just think oh i wish i'd paid a bit more attention i wish i'd done a few more things but we met so many great people along the way and i think when i look back it's more about the people i met that were 
great fun to be with. That's what it was for me. There were a lot of bad times, but you kind of brush them aside and you just think about it. It's the people you meet, the great people that you meet when you're touring, everyone that helps out, everyone that's doing something for you. Mm. And they'll never go. You can't take those away from, from me. And yeah. Andrea, the female perspective, uh, I'm sure that you saw it a different way, but maybe it was better. Yeah. Maybe it was worse. No, but- I... I, I- you know, Harley's absolutely right. It is it is the people you meet. But also, I think we were close as a band. We were all really good friends. It was just like going on tour with, with your mates. So it was great to experience that all together. And as you said, meet lots of lovely people, go to some really, you know, great, exciting places. We did get treated really, really well, I've got to say. And um, yeah, listening back to... I think it was just such a jogging of my memory because so many of the songs as well that were picked for the Cherry Red album I hadn't even heard since since we probably recorded them, particularly the unreleased stuff that um, either Harley or, or Matt had on, on cassette because um, I, I didn't have them. So um, to listen back to those was like, I just was, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, yeah, we did that. You know, I didn't even remember recording it. So, uh, so that was quite uh, strange to listen back. It's a really special time and just like what Harley said I really don't think when you're young you don't appreciate it do you the same way as when you're older and you think bloody hell yeah I did that yeah. and this <laughs> happened and that happened and really lucky actually lucky to have had, ex- had that experience yeah, yeah I because I paid more attention really <laughs> Matt, yeah. Yeah. Matt's got a good memory Matt seems to remember an awful lot yeah, yeah I'm you not, have Matt yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure specific, weird specific things and I forget <laughs> close friends and family's birthdays but yeah, i can tell you so many odds selective memory yeah yeah, yeah. oh you, sorry i didn't answer your question did i <laughs> <laughs> went around the houses uh well i always go back to for me i think the, the the memory that um always springs to mind is when john peel played us the very first time john peel played um our first single that, that harley had funded and basically packaged it all together and had taken it to bbc in london popped it into a couple of um pigeonhole slots that he was told to sort of put these uh, little seven inch singles in so we had no idea whether john peel would ever find this stuff but he, he did he played it and um friends just phoning me up and saying put the radio on now mm-hmm. you're on it you take my And that, I think that's for me, that was that was the moment that I was just sort of, like, you know, just blown away, really. That seems to be the constant that we hear with bands, that there is never a thrill that can replicate the first time you're played on John Peel. Yeah. That's very cool. And you mentioned it. The storyline that I get that runs through the Darling Buds career is that you were friends who were just looking to make music and have a good time. Is that easy to maintain even with major label commitments and outward pressures of people telling you what you need to sound like, what you need to look like, where you need to be at a certain time. Well, the fun definitely outweighed that for me, but um, but there were certainly times that, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we broke up was because of the sort of outside pressure of, um, 
yeah, management, record labels, all that kind of thing. But we, you know, we 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 were still friends right until the end. So um, you know, that that all all carried on. I think when a record label picks up a band, my idea was that they pick you up. They know it's you're in your early stages. They want to nurture you, invest in you, mm-hmm. and push you in the right direction. And I always thought that sometimes some of the ideas that CBS had at the time, they just seemed to follow trends and say, oh, this is really popular at the time. Why don't you go into the studio and do a song like that? And it wasn't what we were about. And I think we were often pushed into sort of the dance thing is a big thing now. Let's do some dance songs and let's make it sound a bit like this. I just wish I'd been a bit more, well, a bit stronger. But I, I think we were, in a way, we kind of bucked the trend and we didn't want to do that. And we fought with CBS an awful lot. You know, there were a lot of young bands that were signed that would just go along with whatever they were told. And we didn't. And I think it made it difficult for us in a way. But we always just wanted to do our own thing. And, and I think we stuck to that. But it did make it difficult for us in the long run. You can kind of hear that on Crawdaddy a little bit. There's that kind yeah, of push yeah. and pull of what the band, I think, legitimately sounded like. You You're know, right. there's the other side where there's that kind of groove mm. element being introduced. Yeah, I can remember being in CBS and Sony, they they became then. And, um, you know, thinking, just thinking to ourselves, we don't sound anything like this live. You know, how, And they were like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about sounding like that live. <laughs> this is what we, you know, this is great. So... It was a bit of a contradiction, really, in in for what the band wanted, and then what we sounded. Well, sorry for what how the band sounded live to what the record company wanted on record. Yeah, but there's always tracks, so you know it doesn't matter. You know, there's magic in the studio. Then there's uh, I don't know what you would call yeah. it on stage. There is a masking, I guess, because um, tracks have become so big now for live concerts and live bands and you know bands performing live. It's kind of getting a little bit out of hand. So like you don't like they're not really live. There's even vocals. I can understand the backing vocals, and I can understand maybe yeah you know horns or something. Yeah, back then, back then though, we 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 were quite a simple little setup, weren't we? There was just uh, one guitarist at the time and one bass, bass. drums, and only a couple yeah. of drums at that. You just have to draw the line when they want you to have a dancer in your band, right. like you know Happy Mondays <laughs> or, or Stone Roses. Yeah. That was a big thing yeah. for a time, wasn't it? Yeah. I think even James had a dancer. They did. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. But then but then so did Hawkwind. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, and they were a great band. Did Iron Maiden <laughs> ever have a dancer? Anyone remember? Uh, um, wasn't that the vocalist? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he passed around that, a bit. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie was the dancer, wasn't it? Yeah, but basically. Oh, you're Eddie. Right. Eddie, Eddie was the dancer. That's true. A lot of bands did that back then. Famously, your third and what turned out to be your final album, Erotica, was somewhat upstaged when Madonna released an album with the same title two weeks later, even featured that kind of washed out headshot on the cover. So first of all, let me just say that your Erotica album is the better of the two. Thank you. But at what point did you find out about that album? And did you feel that the unintended association hurt or helped the campaign? Well, we found out too late, didn't we? Otherwise, I think we would have probably changed the title. Yeah. Oh, it was it was kind of days before we put it out, wasn't it? I yeah. Mean, it was. It, we I remember some of the management running around with their hair on fire because like, oh my god, Madonna's got a new album coming out. A couple of days, it's called The Rock, and you could sense the panic a bit. But 
It was kind of annoying, really. Mm. We got a bit of press out of it, didn't we? You know, the fan base, the fan base never sort of crossed over, really. And, um, yeah, we got a bit of attention for it as well. We ended up in Time magazine. So we were on tour and Time magazine came and did a sort of a feature on us just because we were the, the band with the other erotica album. You know, kind of worked. The first one out. So you could say you beat her. Yeah, we yeah. If well, interestingly, we we had a we started some of the recordings way back, and we released an EP called Erotica Plays which came out well before the album. Yeah. And the style of the photograph on that cover was from the same photographer and it was leading into that album. I think the album photographs were done roughly at the same time. So I'm not sure when Erotica Plays was actually 91, but I can't remember what month, but um, mm. I knew that mm. we had the idea, unless Madonna had been sitting on it for years, which I doubt because it's not the kind of thing she does. She does something and she it's out straight away. She's got that that boot behind her. But so I'd like to think that we came up with the idea first and she she pinched it. Yeah, the homage yeah. to us. We're gonna we're gonna go with that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we're definitely gonna go with that. She obviously thought, hey, you know, that's a great great title, and she wanted to steal it. Yeah, and she did. It is a great title. Could have covered one of our songs, couldn't she? I know that might have helped a bit. What song of yours could you imagine, or would you want Madonna to cover? Oh, 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 God! It could still happen technically. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I have to look up some of our songs now. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't remember the titles of any of our songs. Yeah, exactly. Anyone, really? Yeah, any one of those songs. <laughs> Just go, send the royalty yeah. checks. Go, exactly. Yeah, go for it, Madonna. Go for and it. Taylor Swift can do one as well. <laughs> Shame on you, maybe. I don't know. Shame on you would be. I, I could hear shame on you maybe done kind of like like a virgin era style. Yeah. It needs a little yeah. pep. What about yeah. Clister, uh, Crystal Clear? I think that'd uh, be a good one because it's kind oh, of yeah, that's oh, quite yeah, that, slick, that's, isn't it? Yeah. Do a good mm -hmm. job yeah. on that. Well, let's get with Madonna's people on that. Yeah, we'll have our people talk to her people and get them put in. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, let's get into these lists. I'm excited to uh, see everyone's list. We already know your number five, which was? Which was the Darling Buds. There you go. Do you have to break my heart off of Crawdaddy? And do we all have lists today? So we know how to structure oh, no. this? Oh, were we nope. supposed to all have a list? I thought it was five. Yeah, uh, I've got my list. Oh, okay. Right. We can, oh, okay, well, Harley, hey, if you guys want to you guys want to collaborate, if you want your own, that's fine. We're going to do this. So then we have the meat in the middle. It sounds like Harley because he's the one with the list. For the Darling yeah, Buds. my first. I'm, as I said before, I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. I fell in love with Tom Waits when I first saw him. He, he appeared on the Tube, I think, in 1985 in the UK during a tour. And he played in the neighborhood. And I remember it being like, blew me away. It's like, wow, this is so fantastic. So I came in quite late to Tom Waits. Sort of around that Rain Dogs, uh, Swordfish Trombones era. Yeah, and then everything after that I've bought and absolutely love and I went back and listened to this early stuff and I think it took him a few albums before he really found himself but uh, I, my first track was Bad Liver and a Broken Heart I don't have a drinking problem except when I can't get a drink I wish you'd have known who we and I think on that album it came the Tom, Tom Trubert's blues era when he first found his gravelly voice and this is when he sort of became the Tom Waits that I know and I just yeah. love that album and I constantly go back to Tom Waits albums if anything in my collection and I come home and I want to listen to something I put on Tom Waits and I know it's just it takes me to a different place. It's just every album is just superb. I finally um, got to see him live, actually, at the, one of the Bridge School concerts. Um, oh, cool. The Neil Young concerts? Yeah, Neil Young put on. Yeah. And, uh, I remember we bought tickets and flew out there, and I queued for ages, and I was queuing, and then my wife had her iPad with her, and we got to security, and security were like, can't come in with that. So they took her iPad, and then they took my tickets, and they said, oh, Oh, hang on, you better come with us. And I thought, well, no, we're in trouble here. <laughs> and we bought these special box tickets, which I was uh, totally unaware of. And we were given a like a special backstage area and a box wow. to watch the band. And it was like, I was blown away. Absolutely amazing. And Tom Waits played. I couldn't fault him. I was pretty close. There was Neil Young played with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. They all came on mm. and played. Unfortunately, it was the day that Lou Reed died, passed away. Oh. And all the bands came on stage and they did Oh Sweet Nothing as a tribute to, to Lou Reed. And it was just a fantastic concert. So I'm really glad I got to, to see him play. Uh, I haven't seen him since. I don't think he's played live since. And that was back in 2013. Wow. But if um, mm. anyone that's been to see Tom Waits, it's something very special. He tells great stories. He's just a fantastic live performer 
as you know, you just have to watch some of his Letterman shows and things like that, where he's yeah, he's just something very special to me. I'm just so glad I saw him. Oh, that's a cool experience. Yeah, yeah, but it takes me to that toilet when I hear him. Bob, first <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just wish I'd paid more attention at the time. You know, I was just. You know, but that happens to all of us, Harley, is that we were different people back then. And then as we get older, you know, we change our musical cha- uh, changes. Yeah. Sometimes there was bands that I was like, oh, whatever. But then as I get older, I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry that I yeah, missed them or that true. I didn't yeah. give them the chance. Because like for me, Suede, I wasn't a huge Suede fan back in 93 because in, in the U.S. we got Metal Mickey. Metal Mickey's which great. I was like, OK. And Come I think on. what really hurt Suede. Yeah, well, they have much better songs, Animal Nitrate, you know, the down, the Drowners, all of them. But um, when that album came out in America, everyone thought it was like two dudes kissing on the album cover. Oh, so I think in America, it just didn't fly in 93, 94. Which is but okay. But it's actually two women kissing. Yeah, which is okay. Yeah. I don't know. Now it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be. Oh, yeah, it's different. Totally different. Um, but I just think that in America now, no one would even blink an eye. They'd go, oh, okay. But back then it was still. Uh oh! If I touch that, you know, I I'm, I may get you know soiled in some way or something. I don't know, but still great music. Still great music. All right. Well, kicking off my top five songs with the word heart in it in the title is a timeless love song that just rips your guts out. I know that this band they got a show coming up in the UK, and I follow Martin Fry on social media, and he said that they had to. Uh, get a bigger venue because uh, the outcry for tickets was so great but uh, for me at number five off uh, Lexicon of Love uh, ABC All of My Heart from 1982 Mm. so that's my number five song right there Love ABC Wish upon a star if that might help ever get to play with them no well, again no. no it was so it was such a, oh. a chasm between styles and genres yeah no British yeah. would put us on with abc ah. yeah but, uh, i could see it now though that'd be a great like festival yeah yeah then they do tour don't they in those cool. sort of 80s uh yeah revival tours you know. i saw them like 14 months ago in dana point california and uh, i was blown away the band is great martin fry sounds awesome oh amazing yeah, yeah. Is he still wearing his gold suit? Is it a silver suit or a gold suit? Yeah, he well, does have nice suits that he wears. In some, but it, it's not all gold. It's usually oh, okay. gold trim. Ah. No. So it's 2023. A little bit. Ah. Yeah. All right, Andrea and or Matt, do you have one? or? Yeah, the one that I immediately thought of. Uh, massive influences, as you uh, everybody will know this, um, on the Darling Buds and so much music that's around now. But I'm going to pick Blondie. Heart of Glass. Yeah, all right. Because it's just amazing and um, love Debbie Harry. Seeing as we are name dropping a lot as well on this show, I have Good, met as you Debbie should. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did meet her once at a, here we go, ready for this one? Thompson Twins party. Oh, that okay. I went to. And um, yeah, she was just, we just said hello, hello, and how are you? And that was that. But uh, yeah, I met her in the flesh. I like that pun, by I the way. I think I danced with her at that party. Did you? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Her and Kirsty McCall. So Kirsty yeah, McCall. Yeah, Kirsty McCall. Da- uh, Kirsty McCall danced with me. I know that. Yeah, so I, I think that. I kind of squeezed in there with Kirsty and Debbie and did a little dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You would have been a fool not to, oh, Harley. Yeah. I'm not quite sure the Thompson twins really knew who we were. They just, they came into the studio no, and invited us to this party. They said, <laughs> yeah. hey, we were recording at the time and they just came in and yeah. said, hey, come to this party. place they had a nice gaff didn't they an old church yeah do you know what i i cannot remember it he had the the six drinkers eight drink minimum that night what was that harley (laughs) (laughs) i had my fight before i got there i think exactly all right so anybody else uh matt do you have a song okay yeah yeah i was gonna pick keys to your heart by the 101ers yeah which is uh joe strummer's pre-clash band I picked this because of lo- um, Joe Strummer lived in Newport before he joined the clash where we did where we did our little town in Newport is not famous for much but people do like to tell the story when Joe Strummer lived here uh, before he joined the clash and he was a grave digger he just used to couch surf a few friends houses who were students in the town and he got a job as a grave digger picture that everybody knows locally of him uh, some be- some art students to our photography students took of him uh, digging a grave in the, in the local graveyard there's a reference in the song to being an undertaker so I always think that he wrote the song while he was in Newport before he moved to London and formed the 101ers but it's a fantastic song and we, we were in the studio mm. recently and uh, playing CDs just while we were recording and uh, the, the engineer we use put this, put this 101 as CD on and uh, so we listened to it quite a few times and it's a fantastic song. Great breakdown in the middle. Excellent. That was a very strong honorable mention for me. All right, so that takes us to number four's good first round here. So for my number four, I was trying to decide between two of my favorite power pop spiked punk songs. One was from San Diego's very own Zeros with their brilliant 1978 single Beat Your Heart Out. But I know that I picked that fairly recently. So I went with option B, which is from Belfast punk band Protex and their 1980 single A Place in Your Heart. So Protex, and if anybody has not seen the movie Good Vibrations about the Belfast scene at the time, which brilliant film, it's brilliant film. So, you know, there is Rudy, the outcasts, most notably the undertones who are pivotal in this really fertile, great local punk scene that Terry Hooley captured on his Good Vibrations label. So they put out one EP on Good Vibrations. Future was looking really bright. They signed to Polydor, major label contract, released three singles and then got dropped. They had an album that was left in the can, ultimately came out in 2010, highly recommended. A Place in Your Heart was their final Polydor single. It's just unimaginable to me that 
you could release such a gem of a song and then get cut by your label. But I guess if you're not selling, you're out. Despite the band's working class image and cribbing their name from the Clash song, Protex Blue, even without being aware of what Protex actually was, the chaps just really want a little love. Is it a crime to need someone other than just one night? Well, no, it's not. But it plays on the concept of the heart as this place where there's a finite amount of affection available and they just want a little sliver of real estate there. So anyway, it's a blast of a record and they not only get a place in my heart, but they get a place on my list. So Protex, a place in your heart. Good song. Protex. All right. How about another one from you, Harley? Okay. Another one from me. All right. I had um, Temptation Inside Your Heart, The Velvet Underground. I'm picking all American stuff here. I mean, The Velvet Underground, classic. They influenced me big time when I was first playing guitar. We used to cover their songs in bands, and one of them's Welsh, of course. Never got to see them live. But again, it's just all of their albums I just keep coming back to and I can put them on and they're great. I'm not yeah. some of the Lou Reed stuff I can take or leave, but um, the Velvet Underground had something very special, I think. And we used to do Femme Fatale as a cover song when we first started. And when I used to play in a band before the Darling Birds with Chaz, we used to cover a lot of their stuff. And it was just powerful. It was different. I know where the razor's edge is inside of your heart. Motown, it's not even five feet. Well, if you're gonna make it right, you're surely gonna end up wrong. You don't look like Marvin the Vandella. Oh, I'm just gonna start it all over again. So it was one of those times when you had a record that no one else really owned because everyone else thought it was just two way out there, which made me want to like it more, you know? If that makes sense, it's kind of like, yeah, this yeah. is so different. Yeah, uh, so that's my choice. And they say that every Velvet Underground fan went out and formed their own band. So that's there we what have they it. say, yeah. And Proof there was positive. a lot of influence. I mean, if you look at early Primal Scream, all those indie bands at the time mm-hmm. that were coming out were all influenced by the Velvet Underground. And they all had a little bit of Velvet Underground sound. You can hear it in all those indie bands from the C86 era, you know? Yep, that chugging, droning yeah. guitar. Simple yeah. drums. Yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain were a classic sort of a child of the Velvet Underground, yeah. Anybody can play it. In a way, that's what was good about it is that, yeah, you could just get up and do it. And then, of course, I jumped the gun, so uh, I'm not supposed to be the meat in the middle. So, Andrea, what's your number four? I am going with Nirvana heart-shaped box and (laughs) this is um well it's brilliant great song but also the video for this has um the old fella in it that's on that's you know in the um 
Cloying cloth. You've been crucified. Yeah. I didn't know I did. Yeah, him, he was in one of our videos for Please Yourself. Oh, really? So we were at the, 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 the video that Matt was talking about where we came to LA and filmed in this um, quite grand old 1930s sort of house in Los Angeles somewhere. Um, we were in the basement of it and uh, that chap, I wish I knew his name, and this, this um, actress as well. Um, brilliant features, great features both of them had. They were very striking, both elderly, and uh, they were in our video arguing all the time, weren't they? They never got yeah, on. Yeah, they never met. They didn't know each other. But they, <laughs> they didn't but know they each other. But they were just these old sort of character actors from the, you know, the, the agency had sent. Yeah, and, probably uh, from like they, the golden era yeah, yeah. or something, weren't and they? they just they bickered were... the whole time. It's like, get a room yeah. to <laughs> were there a load of cats in that video or something? Yeah, I was about to say yeah. that. There were loads of cats. Mice. There's a, um, little kittens mice. and cats all over the place. Remember there was mice. And mice. Was mice. Yeah. But there's a little connection to the buds was that uh, this, wow. this the man. I remember we was, so before In Utero came out, our video came out, and then I think Cartridge Box might have been the first single from In Utero, and when we saw the video on MTV, they're like, that's that guy, that's that guy who was in our video. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. So we were first again. We had him in oh. our video. Yeah, I mean, you were he, first. Trendsetters. Yeah. Trendsetters, Trendsetters. Trendsetters. Say, he, he looks yeah. exactly like Salvador Dali as well, doesn't he? He had that sort of scraped back hair <laughs> and a big... Uh, moustache and yeah very just sort of you know dapper chap in our video apparently Kurt Cobain wanted William S. Burroughs but uh, couldn't get oh. so then they went with somebody who is yet to be named oh yeah Fred we'll, we'll call him Fred yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred yeah. <laughs> Fred <laughs> alright Matt you're number four okay um, I'll go with the beat or as you call them the English beat those of your hearts we call well I call them the beat what, one of my favourite bands of the beat from the two-tone era. Um, I love all their they, they three albums. They're all brilliant and uh, great singles band. And their the records sound really otherworldly. A weird, weird production on all their records. Not weird, but just unusual. And they're this weird sort of chemistry between them. band everyone knows their singles but when you actually go and listen to one of their albums it's um they sound incredible you know this sort of uh, uh, amazingly produced records and uh, yeah. great lyrics i was a latecomer the punk really but um the two-tone thing was it, it, it you know we were all still very tribal and you kind of if you were into one thing you weren't really in, allowed to be into something else but i didn't care how's i i love this you know it's uh, i love just you know the specials madness I loved all those. I loved all those bands. Yeah, the beat of the ones I keep going back to. Their records sound still sound really fresh. They're still touring, or he's still touring. 
Dave, yeah, yeah Dave Wakeling yeah, still yeah, tours. Yeah, Roger died, didn't he? Uh, actually, a few years ago. Uh, suddenly, he I did. Mean, yep, sadly, because he had his own version, I think, of the beat that was yeah, going. Yeah. yeah, they were good. I saw those lies. They, they, they were good. And um, Dave beat toured recently. Uh, yeah, but I didn't go. So I think, I think I was, I think we might have been playing. Or so I was playing a gig with someone else, and possibly. I, 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 some reason I couldn't go anyway, unfortunately. My number four it comes from a band that just always hits a nerve, and it was a very intelligent pick I have with Andrea Nirvana Heart Shaped Box, 1993. Mm. So that was my number four also. So I'm glad I let the ladies go first. Yes. Gotta let the lady go first. So I appreciate that. Thank you. So I'm just copying her. Again, you were first. Great minds and all that. <laughs> I'm just following. Of course. Yeah, that's the way it goes. There's there's a trend here. Exactly. I know Darling Buds first. Yeah. And then people then jump on the the, the bandwagon. Yep. I, yeah, so I have to jump on this. Although, bandwagon. unlike Madonna, we are not hoping for you to cover a Darling Buds song. At any Maybe time. I could do something with mm. that. Probably not. I mean, let's face it. But you, know, you n never say never is what my exactly. little. Exactly. You never know. Never say never. Yes. Right. That's true. So there you go. That's true. All right. So we got to uh, keep this moving. But first, we want to hear some Darling Buds music. So um, what song? Do we have anything new we can world premiere or something off the box set? What would we like to play? Oh, you asking us? <laughs> yeah, we're asking yeah the darling yeah the band who's the music the one, yeah the one, the one thing that on the from our sort of meetings and trawling through tapes the one big surprise was a song called why bother now which was recorded for erotica but left off and put aside for a possible b-side which never happened it was completely forgotten about till we started um, mining the old cassette tapes it was just such a brilliant song um, we were all amazed that uh, it was it was forgotten about. But luckily, Sony had a copy of that. We, we didn't end up using our wobbly cassette on the uh, actual box set because turned out <laughs> Sony to had it locked in the vault, so they had a, it had a, a decent uh, recording of it. So, so band vote is that the one we're going to go with? Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. There we go. Harley's, yeah. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Darling buds, some music from them, and then we'll be back to continue our list of the top five songs with the word heart in its title on the Only Three Lads podcast.
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Hi, this is Tracy Tracy from The Primitives, and you're listening to the Only Free Lad podcast. Thank you for sticking around. It is the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, we are on all the platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. You can uh, go to Google. Dora, Amazon. Everywhere. 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 You can just tell your smart speaker, play the Only Three Lads podcast. And this week, we have a great third lad. It's the Darling Buds. Hello. 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 Collective third lads. Yes. It's exciting. Thank you for joining it's us. It's exciting. And we're talking about our top five songs with the word heart in its title. Now, that's why, Brett, we couldn't go with songs with heart, because then you think Anne and Nancy Wilson, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I love Seattle. I love that band. There's not there's way more songs this way than the other way, the way we're doing it. Yes, but it's in quotes, songs with heart. Yes. Quotes. There you go. Yes. So, Matt, you joined at the tail end of the erotica era. When the band was at a turning point, moving to L.A., sounds like you guys probably have some wild stories in L.A. Did you sense that you were joining a band whose days were maybe numbered or was there still like, you know, hey, let's carry on? Uh, not at all at the time. No, I mean, because we were friends and uh, Harley Chris gave me a copy of the album. Uh, you know, while it was being recorded, I thought that's just excellent. You know, it's just really good, you know, taking it to the next level, really. I knew they'd be up against it in the UK because um, that's the way UK goes with, um, you know, music trends. But we had a really amazing tour in the States and there was so much uh, enthusiasm for us in the album. Everyone worried touring. It was uh, a great time in the band, really, really, uh, it was really enthusiastic. And everyone, you know, all the, all the label was enthusiastic over there. Meanwhile, back in Britain, it was going you know, as we'd imagined, really. So we really thought the future was uh, in the States, you know, to take it to the next level. So it was really exciting. You know, the first thing, I mean, I, I was sort of on the periphery of a band for a while. And then first thing I did when I was able to give up my job in the factory was um, fly to LA to do the video for Please Yourself. So it was like a massive culture shock for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. amazing. I think that's why I remember such weird things because I had such a amazing culture shock you know from uh, factory work to uh, recording a video in la yeah plus you flew out of wales and then you landed in the land of palm yeah, trees yeah 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 we loved you um, over here i mean yeah you were played a lot on alternative radio like i said mtv's 120 minutes was the first place i ever saw any of your videos you could have done very well over here yeah we should maybe we should have stuck at it a bit longer <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you, you have the LA demos on the unreleased disc of the box, which are really great. And to me, they sound very much of the time. Like you were, I mean, you were very au courant. You dressed for your pleasure. You feel beautiful. Okay, can you spell that for me? I won't say it again either. Wow, he uses these five. That's like a $10 word. And there's a lot of times I'm just amazed. Uh, Brett is the academic of this podcast. So oh, you're, you you're a funny man. You're a funny man. So there's three of the demos on the box set. Is there more hanging out there? At what point did you decide to abandon those uh, sessions? Yeah, I think there's about six or seven maybe uh, songs from that. We picked the best three, I think. Yeah, there was. I think they just weren't quite finished or something, weren't there? They, they, there were sort of lyrics and or there was melodies or, or bits and bobs, sort of pre-demo demo, yeah. if you know what I mean. So yeah. it wasn't sort of demo enough. It was just ideas. So, um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff. We were, we were still writing a lot, and um, we used to go to this chap Naz, didn't we? This uh, chap Naz let us use his um, yeah. his garden Dave summer Nasworthy. house place. Yeah, Dave Nasworthy. Yeah, he was in a band, The Chemical People. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Bowling's Garden, which was filled in, but it was a pool house that people converted into a, a practice studio for his band and other bands. And a friend of our management knew him, and we were uh, we just practiced in his uh, practice room where we were in LA. In his garden, yeah. In LA. We used to catch the bus from um, Los Feliz. Frank. Yeah, Frank in Los Yeah. And uh, we used to catch the bus to take about three quarters of an hour. We didn't have a car. We to, every morning we catch the bus down to Beverly Hills. Meet me there because I was staying somewhere different. Well, yeah. Uh, we, we didn't have a car until Dennis came yeah. along, and then ten, Dennis had a, like a beaten up seventies. But then it was safer to take the bus yeah, yeah, and to go yeah, with yeah. Dennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We found a drummer out there yeah. called yeah. Dennis, who was a guy from yeah, Dennis the Menace, Boston originally, but he ended up in LA playing in bands but his car <laughs> was like, like car was like Starsky and Hutch was like wasn't it it was an old yeah. yellow Datsun wasn't it you had to climb yeah, in through the windows wow. the doors. you had to climb into the windows to get <laughs> after a few days oh, I will catch the bus Dennis we'll see you there it's <laughs> <laughs> safer but he, he had a great play he lived in downtown LA yeah. and he had this uh, apartment there and he had like a, a collection of old jukeboxes yeah, Oh, cool. uh, and yeah, and he had like loads of, and you'd say, what do you want to listen to? And we'd listen to all these really old records that he still had in these jukeboxes. And we used to love going down there in, into his apartment. He was just, he was a very cool yeah, person. New character, character. Yeah. 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 Very good. I don't know he's what great. he's doing now, but downtown LA has changed quite a bit. Back then it was not the most desirable of areas. No, no. I remember going down there to Dallas's place and it was, yeah, it was really safe to be. But I was there a couple of years ago, and I was like, I was driving around that area, and I thought this place is unrecognizable for, for uh, you know. Well, yeah. where did you guys stay when you were in LA? We were in. Uh, well, Andrea, you were with our manager, weren't you? You had a room. And... Yeah, I, I stayed with Barbara, who was our manager on um, Larrabee Street off Sunset. Sunset, yeah, by the Viper Room, just yeah, down the road yeah. from the Viper Room. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit of a story because. We, we arrived and they put us into like a, a motel and they said, oh, 
this is where you're staying. We thought, oh, this is okay. We can, I can handle this. And then two days later, they said, now you've got to find somewhere because we're not paying for you to stay here anymore. I thought, well, what are we doing? How much are we spending, you know? But um, we went to the whiskey to see, I can't even remember what band it was, Matt. Sebado. Sebado. And ah. absolutely fantastic. We saw, And we bumped into these guys and we chatted to these guys and they said, well, we told them our predicament, you know, we're from England. We need somewhere to stay. And they said, come and stay with us. And we ended up living oh. there. And these two guys were like storm chasers. So they'd disappear as soon as a bit wow. of wind arrived. They'd be off. <laughs> and then we just seemed yeah, to live yeah. there. The police came to the apartment quite a bit when they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, and we used to drink in the pub yeah, just round yeah. the corner and Tim Roth used to come in and we used to, Matt used to sit and chat to Tim Roth. Yeah, and- I tried to. He wasn't very responsive. It was just when Reservoir Dogs was, at, was out, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. he used to go in there. We we were on um, Franklin, Vermont, uh, uh, area of Los Feliz, and there was a 7-Eleven on yeah. one corner and a pub on the other corner. And we used to get off the bus from practice, go in the 7-Eleven to get hot dogs and beans where I've been in and then go to the pub <laughs> living like rock stars cowboys <laughs> directly across from the house we were in was Glen Danzig house <gasps> oh wow yeah. Misfit. wow yeah he, he had this black Porsche in the drive and it looked like the Adams family house it had like sort of um, these railings with creepy vines all over it in there never saw him coming or going no, and I'm sure the police came to us and they should have been going across the way. <laughs> yeah, probably. Misdirected, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there was nothing nefarious going on in the Darling Buds house. No, no. Well, Andrea, when you were in L.A., <laughs> let's get the list of the famous actors and musicians that hit on you. Ready? Go. <laughs> None. I can remember. God. Oh, come on. Oh, we lies. Were, no, lies. I'm serious. Come on. No, we used to go no. to the Viper Rooms. We used to go to Viper. So when yeah. Andrew, when Andrew was staying in Larrabee, the the Viper Rooms wasn't the Viper Rooms then. It was the Central, and I used to go right. up the road and drink in the Central. And it was one of those places where you go in and it's like a five drink minimum or something. Yeah. But that didn't bother me <laughs> at all. Yeah, that was, that was, is, that, is that all? Is that all? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I have to drink five drinks now. And then I think um, Johnny Depp bought it and changed it into the Viper Rooms. So we mm-hmm. continued to go to the Viper Rooms. I think we were one of the first bands that played the viper rooms but mm-hmm. we used to go in there and there it was studded with famous people everyone you knew yeah. was, it, was in there well i remember we played one gig in there pearl jam played as well and um yeah. i looked at while we were playing i looked out across the room and Cher was standing in front of me and then it, wow. it was the whole cast of Beverly Hills 90210 and, uh, you know, Shannon <laughs> Doherty and, uh, yeah. uh, what's it, Spelling? Luke Perry. Yeah. yeah Jason yeah, yeah. Priestley. And, um, Jenny Garth. Oh, okay. Uh, Christina Applegate was there. Applegate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From Married with oh. Children. Yeah. I, just, yeah. Mm, I can remember being in a booth, one of those sort of like little booth things. It was Sarah Jessica Parker one side and there was Christina Applegate the other side. And I was just having a, having a girly chat with these girls. And uh, yeah, we were all about the same age as well. Yeah, it's, it's mad really, isn't it? Jim Jarmusch, Johnny Depp, the Chili Peppers. R.E.M. Yeah, R.E.M. Yeah, yeah, just And no was, dude yeah. hit on you. That's no. why I'm the lies. I can tell by the smile on your face. You have so no. many stories. Oh, we were we were very protective. I bet. It's like your sister. You had You're to like watch a her. gang. Yeah. I found out that Christina Applegate lived on Wonderland Avenue, but she never took me there, which was uh, a shame. 
Well, I think I had uh, posters of everybody in that booth that night. And yeah. let's see. Sarah Jessica <laughs> Parker, probably not, because that was. No, I didn't. You're right. Yeah. Um, what Square Square Pegs was the TV oh, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they, they were all in, in something together at the time. And a guy that had um, that, that oh, I can't remember. Hmm. It doesn't matter. I did that now. I don't know. <laughs> it does I matter. <laughs> I was hanging on that word. I'm like, what is it? Yeah, you had that, that, that snooker ball. It's a snooker or pool? Snooker pool. Ball. Oh, I don't know. It's pool here, but is know, it? It's all pretty yeah. much the same, right? But he had that on the end of a walking stick. Um, Who's that? Mm. I can't remember his name. No. Ooh. I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Mr. Crowley? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds I'd, ha- sounds I'd like had my creep. five drinks um, by, now, by then. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I you were on six. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. 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 Whatever. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Bowling. All right, ready to hop into number three? Let's do it. So for my number three, I'm going to tell you a little tale about a band called Rabbit. R-A-B-B-I-T-T. So they were a wildly successful South African mid-70s pop rock band. So think pandemonium everywhere, girls chasing them a hard day's night style, pinup photos and teen magazines, a whole thing. If it wasn't full-scale Beatlemania, It was at least the South African equivalent of the Bay City Rollers, but I'll get to that shortly. So for their first two albums, 1975's Boys Will Be Boys and 1977's A Croak and a Grunt in the Night, the star of the show was a young man named Trevor Rabin. He was a prodigious guitarist and songwriter who also happened to be a dreamboat with smoldering eyes. So he was responsible for a majority of the band's songs and also some of the proggier overtones of those songs. And then, of course, in the 80s, he would join the band Yes to give them their biggest hit with another heart song, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Mm. But I did not pick that. I don't think you'll ever see Yes appear on one of my lists. (laughs) But the other mastermind in the band was Duncan Fora, who would later become Les McEwen's replacement as the lead singer of, yes, the Bay City Rollers for the three albums when they simply became the Rollers. So anyway, so back to Rabbit. So when Trevor Rabin left Rabbit for a solo career after their second album, they would soldier on the other three members and record one last album, which was 1977's Rock Rabbit. So with Rabin's classical influence out of the way, Rock Rabbit is just wall to wall. Beatlesque power poppy goodness, including my number three song this week, Love in My Heart. Now I sit alone and dream of even just a call from you. song it's built around piano and the spacey synth it's beautiful it's heartfelt it's sappy but not overly saccharine but it's also sadly largely unknown outside of johannesburg because it was never released anywhere else but fora could never quite decide whether he wanted to be lennon or mccartney so on this track he kind of splits the difference really nicely so it's a great tune it's a great record they're a great band number three rabbit love in my heart not familiar with that I'm not surprised. No, nobody. It was never released anywhere else besides South Africa. And I had to get a very expensive copy of it from Discogs because I'm a Bay City Rollers nut. 
And Matt, each and every week, Brett gives us lots of homework. So you guys will be leaving with assignments. So, you know, you can, this may end for you, but it may never end. So uh, just you be aware. You will carry this with you all your days. All week long. Yeah, we've all got You can see me making notes. You can see me writing, but I'm, on all this, I'm writing all this down. All right, Harley. You, uh, my, my next choice is a track called um, Sweet Sweet Heart by The Vibrators. I, I guess I chose this really because we've got big connections with the band The Vibrators. As you know, Pat Collier was Ew, the bass yes. player and he produced our first album. A sweet, sweet heart. absolutely great with pat brilliant an absolute brilliant person and while we were recording the album Knox used to come to the studio all the time i remember him cool. driving us around in his beat up old van taking us to gigs and stuff when we were playing <laughs> and they were just fantastic people but uh it's a really great track it's a pure just pure pop song I'm not sure the year, 76 or 77, somewhere around there. But uh, they were first noticed where I think Mickey Mouse signed them to his rack label initially. And they did their first track, We Vibrate, and, and then signed to Epic, which is another connection, really, because that was all part of the CBS sort of thing. And I think that's how CBS knew Pat and we, we got involved with Pat in the first place. But uh, we, we recorded at the Greenhouse studios uh um so that's my uh, choice vibrators were such a great band mm. yeah they were Knox, i think hooked up with the hanoi rocks guys yeah they had a bit of a glam edge to them didn't they yeah Knox hooked up with everyone i i think from what i remember he was just cr- <laughs> he was just crazy he was like, he was just way out of there he was always full of yeah. life no matter what was happening he'd be bouncing around and like come on <laughs> come on let's go. and he'd be like so much energy. He was just great. So what was his drink minimum? <laughs> Eight? I'd say it's a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So coming from the, uh, you know, the punk rock, were those sessions, I mean, were they structured or were they a little looser? No, they were really structured because he'd also had um, huge success with Walking on Sunshine with Katrina and the Waves, he he produced that. So I think that was also a, as well as, you know, um, loving the vibrators, he also sort of produced that sort of more poppy girl singing kind of stuff. So that kind of brought us in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Harley? It was quite structured. I think Pat liked to have it that way. We'd kind of stroll in and he'd be like, you know, come on. He liked everything to be sort of, we start here, we do this, we have lunch, we do this, we finish. And then we go and have five pints <laughs> after the... Um... Yeah, somewhere. We, Knox would take Literally us... Literally every night. Knox would take us somewhere different. Hey, come on, come on, let's go. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, the label was paying the bar bill, right? Uh, so let's go. Oh my God, yeah. I think they, they regretted that, I think. We got into trouble a few times over bar bills, didn't we? Yeah, we did get into quite a lot of trouble with CBS Sony with bar bills. And also they were very silly and they would always give us lots of booze on the rider or, or, or give us gift, gifts of champagne at the marquee. Remember that? 
Yes. A I... bloody basket of full of champagne, like six bottles of champagne was delivered wow. to the marquee venue in on Charing Cross in London. Well, what else can you do? It was a mistake. It was a mistake. It was but, a mistake. But talking about bar bills, we did a midsummer festival in Europe and we supported the Pogues and the Stray Cats. Surprise, surprise, Ooh. we were on the bill. And we were staying in the same hotel as the Pogues because the Stray Cats refused to stay anywhere where the Pogues were staying. <laughs> so I'd be in the bar and Shane was in the bar and he'd be like, everyone knew him. He looked like death warmed up. Everyone knew him and he'd be like, yeah, drink for my friend, drink, drink. And he'd be buying everyone drinks. And then he'd disappear. And I remember once or twice I got stung with huge bar bills because I was there like, come on, Harley, you got to pay. And I ended up having to pay some of Shane McGowan's bar bills, which were phenomenal. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so There's a guy who can drink. Oh, boy. I remember when there's some of the gigs they used to get like a sack truck and pick him up in a sack truck and wheel him onto the stage and he'd probably sing one song and then they'd have to drag him off stage again. I've got some photos backstage with uh, Spider and we're having a drink and we've got the caravans, it's, it's the Pogues and mm. the Island Birds and it was a great tour, but boy. But your liver was kind of bruised afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But bad, going back to my Tom Waits song. Broken liver, yeah. Bad, no. <laughs> bad, bad liver and a broken heart. It was that. So. All right, I think we went, uh, did Andrea. we go Andrea next? Yep. Okay. Yeah, another sort of pop one, really, from me. And it's dum, 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 Groove is in the heart by Delight, yeah, which is just a classic song. I absolutely love it. It would always get everyone on the dance floor. Uh, I think it's early 90s or 1990. My back, keep me filled with satisfaction when we're done. Satisfaction of what's to come. I had a uh, Saturday morning radio show on BBC Wales um, for a bit and uh, this used to be one of our favourites that we'd open the show with because it was great Saturday morning <laughs> get you out of bed song um, get you dancing so yeah delight groove is in the heart great excellent pick, pick. excellent pick alright All right, Matt. Matt I've got a niche one for you Band's called Sister Double Happiness, and mm. um, it's this uh, song's called Dark Heart. They were the band that Gary Floyd formed after the Dicks. We were a classic Texas punk band. Uh, well, after the Dicks disbanded, he formed with a drummer, I think, uh, a band called Sister Double Happiness, and they they had a couple of really good albums on major labels. But Gary Floyd. Was kind of people know him because the Bottle Surfers wrote a song called Gary Floyd, which was, was about him. But he's this phenomenal singer. You know, even though he came from a sort of hardcore background, he had this huge bluesy voice. I mean, big man. When he when they sort of um, started Sister Double Happiness, and they became more something matured a bit. The sound got a bit more, uh, you know, slowed down and rockier, bluesier, I suppose. But it suited his voice perfectly. And um, this is like a really nice slow song, which is uh, it's about sort of tending kids off to war, and because uh, they were real sort of anti-authoritarian uh, sort of band, they had songs like "Hate the Police," didn't they? The Dicks, <laughs> you know, they were really sort of uh, radical. 
Sister Double Happiness were, you know, not as um, fiery, I suppose, but they well, they were actually lyrically, but um, it was it was a, it wasn't as obvious, I suppose. Does a dark heart growing from an evil seed? A young face is cold and still, and told the rest. Gary Floyd, you should uh, check him out because he's a fanta- fantastic, huge, huge voice, and uh, more people should know about him. Definitely, and they recorded for SST. Yeah, yeah. First, first, first album was SST. Yeah, they were, yeah. you know, and then uh, I think well, when grunge happened and major labels just hoovered up as much anyone with a guitar and a, you know, a flannel shirt. <laughs> a guitar, a heroin addiction, and a few songs. So they did a couple of major label albums. Well, I saw them, actually, um, I saw them live in L.A. After the bud split, I went back to L.A. with my wife uh, just for a trip, and I saw Thelonious Monster, who we toured with, playing in a club in L.A., and um, just a double happiness with playing as well. And Pearl Harbor and the Explosions was playing as well with East Bay Ray on guitar. Really? The Bardis huh? Bill. And uh, so I huh. got to see Gary Floyd singing live. <laughs> I mean, chuffed about. Well, at number three for me, there's always been a lot of uh, songwriting duos throughout music history. You know, McCarthy, Lennon, Jagger, Richards. Or McCartney. McCartney. Yeah. What, what did I say? I, I said, what McCarthy, did I say? McCarthy. Close. Close. Oh, McCartney. Yeah. yeah. We know who we're I'm talking. Again, English. English. I'm still on uh, <laughs> Bumble. Is that where you go to learn language, right? Bumble? I think that's a dating app. Duolingo, isn't um, it? Yeah, there Duolingo, you go. Duolingo, okay. yes. Close. BDs, whatever. Don't go to Bumble expecting to learn much of anything. Anything. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, but of course, then we have Difford and Tilbrook. Off Argy Bargy 1980, squeeze nail in my heart. Oh. at my number three. Uh, oh, I nearly picked nice. that myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I was listening to that all morning, just going, oh, wow, that is just cool. great. Squeeze is great. They should have been way bigger. That's mm. like the Darling Buds, like how, like your daughter said. You know, why weren't they, no, they were, bigger? Over here. They, they were, were here. awesome. Over here yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah. 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 Over here, well, they should have had a lot cool. more. They should, and our buddy Bueno, who's like the world's biggest Squeeze fan, will hate me for this, but after East Side Story, things kind of went downhill a bit. To me, I mean, I don't know, the, the quality waned a little bit. They, they did. Cool for Cats through East Side Story, I think, are is unassailable. Fantastic run. And then after that, it got, got a little hit and miss. Sweets from a Stranger was the one after that one. I think they had Black Coffee yeah. in Bed was on that one. That was where they yeah. kind of got a bit... The quality started to dip a bit, but they they had a few years off and they came back with um, that song Hourglass. Oh, Hourglass, yeah, absolutely. Great, great pick. And I'm sorry that I missed the N. N's are that's one of the one letter in the alphabet that I have a problem with, so I do have a problem. McCartney. You missed an N? Yeah, in McCartney, but I said McCartney. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So that's where Lennon I was going. And McCarthy. Sorry. Yeah, Lennon and McCarthy. There's a a fire sign theater album waiting to happen there. (laughs) Exactly, there you go. 
There's plenty more to come from our conversation with the Darling Buds. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion, including more insights from the Buds' career, their new box set, Killing for Love, and the top two choices from our songs with heart. Until then, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.